For this rendition of our hunting stories, I had a chat with a good friend of mine, Richard Biswell. Now, we talked about his 2022 archery deer. He got into the weeds on some other issues. Unfortunately, I had a malfunction with my phone. I'm recording these with my phone. And about halfway through the conversation, I lost a lot of the audio. And in fact, the last 15 minutes of it completely was lost. So, sorry, Richard. I apologize up front for losing some of that. It just means we'll have to get together again soon sometime and finish that conversation out. So, here's his account of his deer this year. And as always, I'm your host, Derek DeBoer, and thanks for joining us. So just to give some background, mm-hmm. Richard, you're one of the guys that I lean on for information. Richard and I have been colleagues up until this last summer, and then in, you pursued a different career path, and and so hope that's going well. But like during that period of time, I know I'd always catch you on a job site and pick your brain and be like, "Hey, Richard, what do you think about this?" Like because you have some background in actually the professional aspect of hunting in the outdoors that I don't have. Um, I'm excited to hear about your deer story. I know you tagged out fairly early in the archery season, so I'm super pumped on that, uh, about that, and just anxious to hear your story from this fall so far. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I haven't archery hunted in a few years, so this was a nice opportunity to get back out in the woods a little bit early here. Quite frankly, chomping at the bit to get something, had the freezer empty. So yeah, oh, yeah. Took, yeah. Took, took one pretty early, but got the chance to go out, oh, three or four times before I actually harvested a deer and uh, took the time to really look at a few things, but just couldn't pass up a good shot. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We moved up here to this house. And so that fall, um, didn't have too much time to spend shooting the bow and then yeah. Just kind of the last few years in the fall, haven't had the time to get out and shoot every day. So that was that was one of my goals since I changed jobs, having the time off I did. I was like, man, I really want to get back into archery. So what's your rotation now? I know your hours are different than kind of like a traditional nine to five, which is nice, I think. Sure. So I went from uh, doing landscaping with Derek here to uh, I am a firefighter now and I work for the federal government as a federal firefighter. So um, I have basically a shift of two days on, two days off. And so that gives me a lot of time to practice with the bow, go hunting, fishing. Um, my wife and I, we've got a little golden retriever. He just turned a year, so I guess he's not little anymore, 80 pounds. So, <laughs> But spend a lot of time with him. Would hopefully like to get him you know, out hunting here in the future sometime. He, he's really good at being outside. He's interested in some of that. So oh, yeah. That'd be super cool to get him. I kind of toy with the idea of, you know, seeing if he'd point something. I mean, he's got the retrieving down. I mean, that's in his blood. But Yeah, you're kind of pointing <laughs> him in the direction of being a, a bird dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And that's something I have no background in. We've had multiple dogs in the past, and some of them, in fact, the current dog has the capabilities of doing some of that. But I don't have any kind of background in giving him a direction. So that'll be cool to see old Chip mature and see what he can do. Yeah, we'll try to figure something out. Yeah. He likes to retrieve doves, so that's well, a start. So, so yeah, Well... 
we'll get off on the doves maybe later. Yeah. I have some questions there, but <laughs> so you mentioned you'd gone out like three or four times before you tagged your buck. Yep. Um, I would say that's pretty good odds for having not hit the woods with a bow for a while and and going out, you know, out a handful of times. Uh, were you hunting from a tree stand or do you do ground hunting or? So what I like to do is I've always hunted on the ground. Um, started off, we've, my family, we really did traditional black powder for a long time. I hadn't harvested a deer with a rifle until I was in high school and bought a rifle. Um, so, well, other than a muzzleloader, I mean, it's a rifled muzzleloader, but it was, you know, traditional black powder, cap and ball kind of thing. So, um, did that for a long time. And then in high school also got into archery hunting as well. But went several years without shooting a deer with my bow. I mean, just always, the opportunities didn't line up. It's just always kind of hard. Everybody who archery hunts, you know, knows how difficult it is. And then I like to be a little bit more crazy and sit behind a tree on the ground and pick a spot. Um, so I sit uh, behind a tree or beside a tree, um, normally in my ghillie suit is oh, what cool. I do. And yeah. then try to play the wind and play the sun a little bit and pick a spot. I think the deer are going to come up. So yeah. I like to hunt travel corridors. So I know that kind of adds to my dry spells. I can get close, but <laughs> yeah. not necessarily have the best shot opportunity. And um, growing over time, I've definitely had to learn to pass the poor shot opportunities. And instead of wounding a deer, just watching it walk. Right. Just watching it walk by and then going, well, someday I'll get a nice broadside shot. So yeah, I grew up tree stand hunting and like, that's how we learned and that was my perspective on it you set a tree stand and you go climb into it and that's where you sit for the season and i gotta imagine that hunting from the ground actually gives you some flexibility but also you're losing you know that kind of bird's eye quote yes. view of the lay of the land so i suppose the shot opportunities can be a little different i've i know i've tried a handful of times to hunt from the ground with a bow and it's quite challenging where i feel like you have the advantage of moving around when I get to the spot where I want to be, I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. So kudos to you for pulling it off because that's something that's quite different. And, and of course, using the ghillie suit, that's got to work pretty well to your advantage too. I find out that it, it really breaks up your outline and especially your shoulders to your head. Like having that little bit of 3D and depth and camouflage there, I feel like, I don't want to say I can get away with more, but just watching the way the deer react looking at you and how your outline's broken up. It's just kind of like, they know something's there, but since it's not smooth and they can't tell us like right away it's a person, they give you just a tiny bit little more leeway. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, that's something I picked up when I worked on the King Ranch in South Texas is when we were guiding Nilgai antelope hunts, we wore the little leafy yeah. the leafy commercial produced ghillie suits just to give us a split second more as we were walking <laughs> through the woods. So those Nilgai antelope would go, wow, is that a person or not? Right. And a lot of times that split second was the difference in making a shot or not. So, yeah. So do you, are you in like a wooded setting or like we have a lot of mixed like grassland with cedar trees or just straight grassland? What's it like when you're, or maybe a mix of all that? I don't know. So we're pretty fortunate. Um, I hunt up in Marshall County, Kansas is where my family has some property at. And we'll, um, we'll bleep that out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> but anyway. Um, it's a good place to be. Um, we've still got filter strips on our land, so we still have some 30 wide yard buffer strips we keep just for soil conservation, and then it's also some nice bird habitat. I mean, we tend to have a few coveys of quail just because it's some of the only habitat left for them. Right. <laughs> so that's nice. The deer like to bed there. They really are comfortable moving out into the fields, especially early in the year 
with that being there. And I mean, even towards now after the crops are out, you'll find them hanging around in the trails on there um, before the sun completely goes down. And, you know, a lot of times we'll set off back in those travel corridors because the deer will feel comfortable being in there and not out in the open. So that's what my family likes to do. We like to set up on travel corridors in between a bedding area and a food source. So it's pretty mixed between a little bit of grass like that and then we've got a creek and then a nice ridge with some wooded timber. So a lot of oaks, but then oh, there's also a lot of cedar trees and hackberry trees and stuff in there. Yeah, but, kind of a typical Kansas creek setting. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think the big thing is like going in early season and scouting, seeing like, for instance, I moved where I set about 30 yards to the west this year just because we had some damaged trees from a windstorm last year yeah. in the fall. And the deer just moved like the first couple times I was out. I was like, wow, they're really, they've moved 30 or 40 yards to the west. We saw that this year too. A lot of the same, probably the same storm system took a lot of our trees down and closed some trails. And it's like the deer completely shifted their patterns. It was a whole different ball game for the most part this year, which was strange, but also kind of fun because then you yeah. try to figure it out again you get in your old rut of getting in the same spot with mixed results. So now you gotta, you got to use your brain and instinct again to figure that out. Your buck, was it in October that you shot yours? Yeah, so it was like the second week in October. Nice. Yeah, so it was kind of maybe more the regular bed-to-feed yep. pattern. Was it a morning or afternoon hunt? Um, it was a morning hunt. Yeah. And so he's just a little year-and-a-half-old buck, but, I mean, I just really enjoy being close to deer they're such cool animals and um he ended up coming up the trail um right in front of me the wind was still blowing in his face and he came right up the trail i mean having good scent control and everything something my dad and i have really tried and i hate to use the word perfected but i think right. we've perfected over the years of you know even to the point of having your clothes you're going to wear as your outside layer as you're having your coffee as you're driving up in the morning like you have that in a sealed bag in the back yeah. of the truck so you're just trying as minimal as possible to get those human smells somewhere yeah. where they can be and i mean i've had deer come from downwind to me before come up to like this buck come up to you know 11 yards and stand broadside but then not have a clue that you're there and so that's what happened on this hunt um we had this little buck come up and he came straight up at us and i was able to get behind the tree and draw back and i was like okay so that's half the battle um popped around the corner and he's looking straight at me and i'm like oh man i've got to keep my bow held back now and you know they do the little deal they do where their head bobs side to side and you know i know at that point he sees something that he doesn't like and yeah. i'm just going wow how long can i keep my bow held back and he flicked his tail twice and took two steps broadside stopped looked back down the trail he came up and that's when i clicked the release and <laughs> it just hit him dead center and he went about 20 yards and fell right over so, so how far is he from you when you're shooting so it was 11 yards yeah um, so he's right in there and that is that'll get your blood pumping i don't care what kind of deer it is yeah if it's a doe if it's a fawn when they are that close that's a lot of fun i've taken some bad shots before i mean i've wounded plenty of deer in my in my life just learning and yeah. trying to get better it's like wow when you're at full draw and then they give you an opportunity like that it's like okay this is a sign to go ahead and take that shot <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah no i admire you for that and and that is such a cool experience what time like you said morning is that like early morning mid-morning how long were you out there so this was probably 
man, like 8.30 or so. Okay. I mean, it was still, it was pretty early. Normally, I'll sit till 11 or 11.30. Yeah. Because we still get some deer movement, even kind of mid-morning like that. But a lot of times, I mean, about 10 o'clock, the deer really quit moving in our area. Yeah. I've sat all day before, and you get, you will get some deer moving through midday, but it's just not the constant flow. Like, it seems like you see there for the first couple hours. Yeah, we find that maybe more toward November, maybe end of October when they got the scrapes going. Yeah. And you can maybe sit on one of those and a buckle break free and check those middle of the day. That was an instance this year where some of those scrape lines just disappeared because those trails were shut off with trees. Yep. And I don't know, I I didn't pursue it as well as I should have as far as sitting all day when I had the time to, but I kind of felt like, well, I haven't had many of those midday opportunities, and especially without those scrapes right where I needed to be. They were on field edges, which they were hitting early in the morning and late in the evening. Sure. So just kind of skipped that. But, well, congrats. That That's awesome. I, I love to text my buddies, and then when they reply with a picture of a deer down, that's just icing on the cake. <laughs> so. And I get... Like you were talking about my background. So my background, I have a degree in wildlife and outdoor enterprise management and a minor in business from Kansas State University. And uh, was very fortunate to get to work on the King Ranch in South Texas as a part of my internship for that. And then I also helped manage a deer hunting ranch in Southwest Missouri for a while too. So got to learn from some really knowledgeable biologists and then some of the best hunting guides around like that was super cool so i really take things that i've learned from those guys and then just kind of make it my own i mean yeah i've got to the point where i enjoy following your your journey and your podcast and your youtube videos derek but i mean i get to the point where man i just can't watch hunting shows or anything anymore like it just gets a little commercialized and things like that let's talk about that a little bit because um, i'm searching maybe for that perspective that you have because I grew up hunting, we kind of tried to figure it out on our own. Dad was enjoyed hunting, um, but it wasn't like a main part of what we did. We just fell in love with it, mostly because what was kind of pushed our way by those companies commercializing hunting and selling their product. So came in from that perspective. You grew up hunting. Yeah. So how did your perspective change after those type of experiences working on those ranches? Did that influence the way you are now, or did you hold on to more of the heritage that you kind of learned from your family? Well, for a while, I mean, for a few years there, I mean, I didn't deer hunt after I worked on um, some of the big ranches because I was like, well, if I'm not going to see a huge buck, like it's not even worth me going out. Sure. So, I mean, there for a few years, I'd go hunt with my dad and things, but like I didn't necessarily, you know, shoot a deer every year. And then I just got to the point where I'm like, you know, I really enjoy cooking a deer steak or I really enjoy making some deer summer sausage like I did this afternoon when I was home and it's like well you know I don't need the I don't need a big set of antlers to do that and so you know they talk about stages of the hunter and you know you start out by just you're just wanting to tag out and bag out and then you know you're hunting a certain age class of deer you're hunting a certain trophy class of deer or whatever and then I I think I've kind of gotten full circle kind of back to I just like sitting outside but I also really enjoy using the resource and you know eating deer meat and sharing that with friends and family so in some ways I'm back to the bagger tagger (laughs) stage but like with a little more enlightenment maybe I don't know (laughs) yeah and that's kind of what I'm searching for too because like I said growing up it was a big buck whatever 
whatever you want to picture in your head when you think of a big buck, you know, back then it's, and it still is really a trophy deer, you know, whatever, whatever inches. I don't like talking in terms of inches cause that ruins a lot of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, but we passed a lot of deer and kind of like, kind of like you, well, if we're not going to see a big deer, why are we even hunting? Well, then you get to the point where, well, shoot, I haven't shot a deer or I haven't shot a deer in a long time. I just need to shoot something to kind of prove to myself that I can do it. Well, you get that under your belt and then you start having a lot of fun. And even now we're kind of trying to like break through that barrier. If like a trophy is all dependent on your personal experience about it. I mean, down to maybe even the day, yeah. how you're feeling that day, like Thanksgiving morning this year. Um, I've, <laughs> I've had a really great season and a really bummer of a season. And I'll show you why here later on. I kind of embarrassed about the whole thing and bummed. But anyway, so I was still trying hard around Thanksgiving. And in fact, I'm still trying. But Thanksgiving morning, we had to go to Kansas City. And I told my wife, I said, well, I can hunt, I think, until 8 o'clock. If I get out of the stand at 8, I can make it home and we can make it to lunch in Kansas City for Thanksgiving. And I uh, had a, a buck. I could hear him down in the cedar draw. And, and it sounded like he was with a doe. It's like, man, the one I'm after has been around here. That might be him. Long story short, heard him coming up out of the draw into the field. He hopped the fence just directly below where the tree stand used to be. I'm just right around the corner from it now. And I, I was clipped onto the bowstring, and he was a younger buck, but he was about to get it. And if it hadn't been needing to get to lunch on Thanksgiving morning, that deer probably would have got an arrow in him. But like that would have been a trophy to me because he got me so pumped up and just the circumstances of the, of the season. So I love hearing you say that. Because I think a lot of guys do get caught up in that, and, and you don't have to prove it to anybody. You're having fun making the most of any opportunity you have. And getting out there, I mean, the chances of getting out in the woods are really slim. I've been very fortunate the last couple of years, and I'm glad that your schedule's kind of opened up because you yeah. can play around out there a little more now maybe too. I've been very fortunate to spend quite a bit of time out there. But if you really think about all the obligations that we have and just how busy life is, I mean, every chance you get out there is a blessing yeah to take advantage sure. of that um, any way you can is is awesome so even to the point where a, a, like three years ago now i shot a little button buck with uh an ar that i had put together and so that was the first ar i've ever put together yeah and then um you know kind of spurred on by seeing your videos <laughs> that you were sharing with me at work and sharing yeah. on youtube i was like well i've i've got a little action cam i'm gonna put that on the scope and you know see if i can maybe actually you know film Harvesting a yeah, deer because nice. I've never ever been able to film, you know, actually taking a shot and getting an animal. So that little button butt came up at about thirty <laughs> yards, and it was like this is the first time for everything. That? And I got the camera on, and it yeah. was recording, and I lined everything up and squeezed the trigger, and everything just worked out. And so even for me, that little button buck, I mean. I know some people say it's bad to shoot a little button buck or whatever, but even that deer, you know, I got to eat it and enjoy having the meet with my family. And then I've got that video yeah. of that whole experience. And that's just super cool. So even, I mean, every deer that I shoot, I regard as a trophy. Exactly. I mean, for whatever reason, whether it's spending time with my dad or my uncles or family and friends, anything like that, like everything that comes into, I mean, we're taking a life and we're having a, we're having an experience with others when we're doing all that. It's all kind of spiritual at the yeah. same time. And then there's just always so much meaning in all of it for me. So every every time I go out and I'm able to connect with an animal, it's like it's all a trophy experience for me. Right. Well, and, and the ultimate end goal is we do eat the venison. Yeah. And 
so normally we rely on that. Like my brother's family, I rely on that to have a certain amount of venison in the freezer for the year to come. Last year, you know, we split a, a steer with my folks, so we didn't rely on that. I didn't get a deer last year, but it didn't hurt us. Now this year, I'm actually feeling the pressure because that steer is almost gone. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I haven't tagged a deer. And what if I screw around, you know, trying for one specific buck, and I get to the end of the season, and now I haven't tagged a deer. And that does really affect you. But that is the ultimate end goal. And, you know, we grew up, and you still see people, and I appreciate people that do get excited. And we do get excited when we take that deer because that's what we are as hunters, I think, um, especially if you do regard it as a trophy. And I, I had somebody comment, you know, you need to show more excitement about it. Well, I'm really in a mixed spot when I shoot a deer because, I, like you said, I understand I just took a life. And I, you know, just maybe from the filming aspect, and I'm not serious about that either, but I really do enjoy just watching the wildlife. Yeah. And I get myself caught up in like, I'd almost rather just watch this deer than shoot it. You know, sometimes that crosses my mind, but then, you know, that's when I know I'm a hunter because that other little itch for to reach for the bow creeps in there. So, oh, yeah. you know, uh, there's all part of that, but it is, it's kind of hard. It's like, you know, I am jacked up about this and excited, but it's kind of hard to show all that emotion when you know the, the seriousness of it. You're not just out there target shooting. You're taking a life of an animal and a resource, you know, a precious one to us. <laughs> there's all part of that on it. Well, and I mean, that's the thing in my conscience that, I mean, that, that gets me when I take a bad shot or when I wound an animal yeah. and can't find it. I mean, it's, it's learning from those experiences and trying to get better in myself. And then also realizing that at the end of the day, they still have some choice. Yeah. When they're sitting there, like if they hear the release go and they move, I mean, yeah. they, they still have, they still have some choice in the whole matter. I mean, I know bows are fast and everything, right. but <laughs> yeah, and it takes an incredible amount of luck to get yourself in the position of that animal uh, to even take the shot in the beginning. That's part of my season's experience this year. I made a very bad choice, and as a result of that, a bad shot. And I've been pretty bummed about it. But fortunately, like I have a good support group of people around me, and I think that's important to not get real down on yourself. That happens. Like yeah. I'm glad you admitted to it uh, because in a number of years of doing it everybody's going to make those kind of mistakes and you want to take it serious enough like you alluded to to improve yourself but don't let it ruin your passion right and that's kind of tough though when you you realize what you've done and then you got to move on so that's all part of it though i know my dad always talks about you know there's there's some of those times where i get beat up a few years ago i i lobbed an arrow at a nice buck and hit him too high he he dropped a little bit and yeah. i hit him too high and the arrow didn't go in very far and the deer pulled it out and we watched him and we watched him go about a hundred yards and then work a scrape and then work another scrape. And it was like, Oh man, you know, he's, he's bleeding. And I hit him right in the shoulder blade and I hit him too high and all, all that kind of deal. But, uh, we ended up getting pictures of that deer later yeah. on in the year, all healed up. He had a pretty wicked scar, Yeah, but he was all healed up. And, you know, like my dad says sometimes, well, that can happen. Sometimes you're going to get them. Sometimes you're not. And then, other times they're going to run out in front of a semi drink right, and right. get smacked along the yeah. side of the highway. Yeah. So there is just like that. we're talking, you can't beat yourself up about it too much. Well, and then you think about how the whole circle of life is. Okay, so if you don't take the life of that animal while you're hunting, if it does live to a happy old age, it's probably not going to meet a real happy end there right. either. So, yeah. so uh, there's the whole whole circle there. But yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes sometimes. We've We've tracked plenty of deer that we've... Not not necessarily that like 
you can do everything right. And like you said, the, the animal can react and, and turn it around in a hurry. So there's all part of that to it too. So, but yeah, well, congrats. I, I'm excited about that deer. I, I was so pumped when you texted that back to me. I think I was texting you around the time Darren and I were taking our vacation. And so to have that, that's like, that just starts your week off really good when you know you're going to go hunting and your buddies have already got some things down. That's a really good feeling. Well, there you have it. I had to find a good stopping point for this episode. Sorry, Richard, to cut you short there. Um, I do sincerely apologize. We'll get together again and finish this one out. But I really enjoyed having a quick chat with you.